Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Pharmacy Hot Topics, where we sit down with content matter experts and discuss what is currently top of mind in the world of pharmacy. My name is Brittany Tishane, and in today's very special episode, we will be chatting with Rena Gosser and Joe Marciano, who will be sharing their attendance experiences from last year's virtual mid-year clinical meeting and helping you make the most of ASHP's mid-year clinical meeting this year from December 5th through December 9th. Later on in our episode, we'll sit down with a few of our speakers at this year's mid-year meeting who will provide us with a sneak peek of these presentations. I'm always excited for mid-year and I'm very grateful we have our guests here to help us navigate this year's virtual experience. But before we dive into today's episode, can you both please introduce yourself to the audience? Rena, why don't you start us off? Hello, my name is Rena Gosser. I am the Clinical Ambulatory Pharmacy Manager at Harborview Medical Center in Seattle, Washington. I currently serve ASHP as Chair on the Council on Therapeutics, and I also serve as a member on the Section Advisory Group for Clinical Leadership. Last year was the first year that mid-year went virtual, and I personally felt that it was a great way to experience mid-year safely as an attendee. So I hope to share some lessons that I learned uh, with you today. Thanks, Rena. We are happy you're able to join us today. Joe, can you tell us a little bit about yourself as well? Yeah, absolutely. I currently work as a lead pharmacist in the geriatrics area over at Summa Health in Akron, Ohio. And I also serve in a shared faculty role as an assistant professor at Northeast Ohio Medical University, or Neomed. Uh, right now with ASHP, I serve as the liaison between the New Practitioners Forum and the Section of Clinical Specialists and Scientists Clinical Leadership Advisory Group. And last year, I actually had the chance to serve as the chair of the Resident Advancement Advisory Group for the New Practitioners Forum. Uh, so in that role, and also just in my role as a PGY2 at the time, I had the chance to, at last year's virtual mid-year, participate in some virtual interviews as both a resident interviewer, as well as as an interviewee through PPS. And so I'm really excited to have the chance to share some of the tips that I've learned as well. Thanks, Joe. It sounds like you've both had very unique experiences with ASHP. So I'm glad we have both of you here today. And let's get started with our first question. So as Rena has mentioned, the pandemic has left us with another virtual mid-year. Can you both share some tips and tricks that you can share with the listeners about attending virtual mid-year? Sure, happy to provide some tips. I'm thankful that we can experience mid-year safely this year via the virtual platform. I know that many of us had have a lot of practice with virtual meetings for going on almost two years now. So I just want to focus on some practical tips specific to just conference attendance. I'd recommend prior to meeting launch to go through the schedule and identify some sessions that you're interested in, download the handouts ahead of time um, so that when you're ready to sit down and join those live or on-demand sessions that you have the handouts ready and available um, to jot down any notes either on your computer or, or good old handwritten old school style. I know how difficult it can be to attend conferences that are going on in addition to your work responsibilities. Uh, it's, it's very similar to attending a conference that is being hosted in, in your city. You're kind of trying to do both and you end up 
way more tired than if you were just fully dedicated to one or the other. So if you are attending mid-year this year and want to keep it to the, the formal dates, I'd recommend treating it as if you were attending in person and block your time if you are able. This helps to ensure that you're not only able to be truly present for the sessions, but that you, you feel like you're getting the most out of it for the sessions, interviewing, or any other events that you have scheduled. If you're like me and you can't block out full days, the beauty of this is that it's a virtual meeting um, and there are tons of sessions that are going to be available on demand. So it gives you great flexibility on when and where you can listen in to those sessions. To really optimize your time, you can consider listening to sessions on your way into work on public transit or um, you could play via Bluetooth in your car if you have that functionality for hands-free listening. If you can't finish it in one sitting, consider listening to the rest on your lunch break or on that return commute home. The beauty of these virtual conferences is that you don't have to wear stuffy tights and suit coats. You can wear comfy clothes. You can pause the on-demand sessions. And there is a perk of you know no lines for bathrooms or food. Uh, but it can be really exhausting sitting for hours at a time staring at a screen. So. If you are going to be spending that time, make sure you plan out um, some breaks and getting some fresh air where possible. Thanks, Rena. Those are some very useful tips for our audience. Joe, would you be able to add anything specific for our student and resident attendees to our virtual mid-year experience? Yeah, so last year as a mid-year attendee myself, it was actually the first time that I was going through PPS, uh, looking for a position as a PGY2 resident at the time. And so I would just like to highlight some important points that I learned regarding the virtual interview space. As a PPS interviewee, it was really important for me to familiarize myself as much as possible with the PPS platform, as well as the virtual booth for each site that I was interested in and had interviews scheduled with as far in advance as possible. And so once interviews are finalized with each site, I would recommend that you make sure that you are confident in just how you will connect with each site several days prior to the date and time of your interview. Confirming details of what to do in the event of a technical error with the main method of interviewing, or in the event that you are unsure of what to expect as the interview approaches, can help you be that much more prepared for the actual PPS engagement. And making sure that you're familiar with all of the video conferencing platforms several days in advance will also help to limit hiccups uh, from coming the day of your PPS interview. Personally, I had to interface with a few different sites in addition to the ASHP PPS virtual booths for my PPS interviews. And so uh, I had never at the time, which sounds ridiculous now, really interfaced with Microsoft Teams. So I just made it a point to make sure that I knew exactly how to manipulate Microsoft Teams ahead of my PPS interview. And that's something that I would recommend that all PPS interviewees do. I would also recommend that you make sure uh, that you know how a representative from each program will reach out to you in the event of unexpected situations. And then you can keep that mode of contact open and uh, visible to you just in case something goes wrong in the moment during any scheduled PPS interviews. So if you gave them your cell phone number or if you gave them only your work email address, I would just make sure to have those things available for you just in case there's a communication coming from those programs. 
With respect to the interview itself, there are many points to be aware of to help optimize your video interview, verbal and nonverbal communication. And last year, actually, the Resident Advancement Advisory Group produced several helpful resources that, while they were more specific to last year, I think are very relevant for this year as well. And so there is a nice PPS virtual interview guide, as well as a more abbreviated infographic pertaining to mid-year preparedness and virtual interview tips that we will link in the podcast notes that I think have some helpful tips to review. I'd also recommend that you prepare for anything during the virtual interview. I'm sure that a lot of our listeners have heard this sort of thing before, um, but I had a mixture of setups for PPS last year, which included interviews with one person, interviews with multiple different people, directly entering the interview once I pressed accept on the different virtual platforms, and also entering a sort of waiting room where there was an administrative employee that received or who received me before I was admitted to the breakout room where my formal interview occurred. These details, I think I was intermittently aware of ahead of time, depending on the interview. So it is just important to maintain professionalism at all times and be excited to have the chance to ask questions and meet multiple different people for each interview. And preparing for breakout room usage can help to prevent any kind of surprise attitudes or surprised appearances from surfacing as you navigate different kinds of virtual platforms. So really just being ready for anything and maintaining that professional attitude and appearance is definitely important in the virtual space. I also think it is really tempting to schedule back-to-back interviews, especially without the hassle of having to physically run from one booth to another. But personally, I really did appreciate having at least 15 minutes after each interview to collect my thoughts and write down some impressions and specific points that I wanted to remember. And so just blocking off the time after each interview for 15 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever you find personally, you know, a good amount of time in that way, I think also made it easier to reflect and prepare for sending out genuine thank you messages. And so if you find yourself, though, in the position of an interviewer as opposed to an interviewee, I would recommend just empathizing as best as possible with the interviewee and anticipating how not having that in-person meeting might make it challenging for the interviewee to get a comprehensive read on your site and the position that they're interviewing for. So staying mindful of how that makes your verbal and nonverbal communication, as well as just small things like your background. Uh, I think will really help to make you aware that the candidate is associating all of these things with your site. And then you can use all of those things to try to reflect your program in the best possible and most approachable light when we do find ourselves communicating through that screen. Thanks, Joe. That is great advice. And we appreciate hearing your firsthand experience from someone who has been at mid-year as a student resident and now a new practitioner. As Joe mentioned, the audience can find the links to the resources that Joe mentioned in the show notes. Joe, just to build off a lot of what you said regarding PPS and the resident and student experience, um, we talked about there are several ways that this mid-year is different for these attendees. Can you just go into a little bit about how these new practitioners and students can really make the most out of networking opportunities. Um, one of the big benefits of mid-year is be able to connect with colleagues and make new colleagues. Do you have any specific tips on how uh, residents and students can really make the most out of the virtual mid-year? 
Yeah, definitely. So while virtual networking is different, I think there are still a lot of ways to get a lot of enjoyment and value out of networking in the virtual mid-year clinical meeting. So first and foremost, I do want to call attention to an actual new practitioners networking session, which is scheduled for Sunday, December 5th from 1 to 2 p.m. What our listeners can expect from that is to have Zoom breakout rooms that allow for you to connect with peers from around the country and around the globe. And this networking session will be a way for new practitioners to share advice, to share resources, specifically about board certification, developing into an effective preceptor, and navigating personal and professional challenges throughout their career, including work-life integration. I participated in the session last year, and I felt like it was Uh, a really fun way to have that genuine connection with a small group, of course, through a virtual conference platform. It was really fun though. And I think in some ways was preferable to in-person communication just because you sort of got to see everybody equally and everybody I feel like was willing to participate maybe more so than an in-person engagement. And so I would definitely recommend that Everybody who is interested in networking, which I think would be everybody, hopefully, checks out this new practitioner's networking session and participates actively if you're going to the mid-year clinical meeting. Also, for more details about new practitioners forum specific opportunities at mid-year and just in general, the MOAG, Membership and Outreach Advisory Group of the New Practitioners Forum, does an amazing job with not only coordinating that networking session, but also producing content regularly for the ASHP New Practitioners Forum Twitter handle. So I think everybody should go and follow at ASHP underscore NPF for New Practitioners Forum and make sure to follow their tweets during mid-year because they will be providing you with updates about New Practitioners Forum related opportunities and content. And then another important piece of information about networking in general that I've learned about in the virtual meeting setting is to make time for networking. So I think new practitioners really should, and students really should go out of their way to just help kindle those connections with mentors, with colleagues, and with friends by specifically reaching out to them and finding time to connect virtually. I really do think it's important to go out of your way to do these things, especially in the virtual setting, just to make sure you're taking advantage of the time that is available during the mid-year clinical meeting. So set a goal for yourself regarding how many of these sorts of things you would like to have at the mid-year clinical meeting and make sure to make it happen. You could host a virtual game night, which I think many of us are familiar at this point, but maybe try doing something like that with your old classmates or your old co-residents or set up a coffee call between sessions with your mentor. Really, whatever it is, just budgeting the time and taking this action to have conversations virtually is a really important way to still capture that value that often comes with mid-year. The follow-up on these relationships is, of course, key as well. And mid-year virtually is a fantastic way to make sure that you are putting in the time to maintain those relationships and start new relationships. Thank you for sharing that, Joe. I wholeheartedly agree. It is important as ever that we are still able to connect and network. And it's wonderful to hear that there are still opportunities like the NPF networking session available to make the most of mid-year and our networking opportunities. Thank you to you and your new practitioners colleagues for taking the time and organizing this event. Last year's event, I agree, was very well received. So I'm excited for this year and I encourage our audience members to attend. 
Rena, going to you now, what are some additional networking opportunities, tools, or resources that you would recommend that our attendees consider to get the most of it out of their experience? Joe had some really great points about connecting with, with those that you know, and I kind of want to focus a little bit on maybe sticking yourself out there a little bit and connecting with people that you really don't know. A good kind of first source resource would be just the mid-year meeting schedule in general. It's a pretty fantastic resource. Um, if you're excited about a particular session, um, you can visit that schedule and click into the session. There is a link to Facebook or Twitter where you can generate a post from there. That's a great way to share with the people that you do know that you're excited about the session and it can help to generate some discussion virtually in advance of the actual, you know, on-demand date or live date of that session. And it gets people interested who may not have necessarily been aware that the session existed. The schedule also allows you to see what's slated for live or on-demand. Um, there's some great filters there where you can search by track, the level of the content, the topic, and then the target audience. The cool thing about this is if you click into a session, it shows you the speaker's practice site information as well as the short bio that they submitted to ASHP. But also on that page, there is a link that gives you that email address for the speaker, as well as a link to any of their social media accounts like Twitter or LinkedIn that they may have, which overall, this is a wonderful opportunity to reach out to the speaker, to tell them how much you enjoyed their session, to ask for more information or clarification on anything that they discussed or followed up. And it sets a really good foundation to connect with others that have similar interests to you and allows for that additional networking with people that you don't necessarily, may not necessarily know, and it's, it's not as easy as, you know, when you were an in-person, you could just walk up and talk to them, but it allows that time for you to, to reach out and connect and establish that foundation. I'd also like to put in a special plug for engagement via Twitter during mid-year. There are thousands of pharmacists on Twitter who engage about pharmacy practice daily, I've been fortunate over the years to engage with some amazing, brilliant pharmacists who I have later collaborated with on multiple projects. Uh, many will be live uh, during mid-year and after, um, tweeting or sharing their take-home pearls from sessions they are participating in as speakers or sitting in as attendees. So it's a wonderful way to interact and network, um, hear new ideas, get excited about things you could bring back to your practice. And this is pharmacists and also pharmacy technicians around the world. So it has a pretty wide reach from the comfort of your home or your phone or wherever you happen to be. Joe did mention the New Practitioners Forum uh, networking sessions, but there are also multiple other networking sessions that allow for some real-time interactions with other attendees based on interests. So don't forget to watch out for these on the schedule and attend those that align with interests or topics that you want to engage with others um, around the country on. One last resource as we've been rounding the corner here towards mid-year, um, ASHP has been sending out some email communications featuring some must-attend sessions and some virtual events. 
So just keep an eye out um, on your email uh, for those opportunities as they come up. Thank you, Rena. Thank you both for sharing your experiences. I am confident that the audience can really make the most of this year's mid-year experiences after listening to our podcast today. Now I'm excited to share with our audience some of the must-see sessions of mid-year and give them a sneak peek preview of these sessions. What are some sessions that you guys are looking forward to this year? Yeah, I can start this one off. So in addition to that New Practitioners Forum networking session, I am very excited for the therapeutic debates. I love hearing about controversial clinical issues and what information is driving this controversy. So this session really is a must watch for me. Uh, on the other side of things related to pharmacy topics, because the mid-year clinical meeting is going to have such a good variety of programming, I personally feel like I can never learn enough about finances um, because there is so much to know. So I will definitely be tuning into the Making Sense of Financial Literacy session as well. Rena, are there any sessions that you're particularly excited about? Yes, I'd agree with Joe on those as well. Um, finance is definitely not a strong suit of mine, so I will also be tuning into that one. Some additional sessions that really stuck out to me included the Sick and Tired of Being Sick and Tired session, uh, which plans to discuss burnout in the pharmacy profession. We are still in the midst of this pandemic, and burnout is, is a serious consideration that impacts the well-being of the pharmacy workforce and the care that we're able to provide our patients. So I'm looking for some additional tips that I can bring back and, and put into practice here at my site. I'm also a drug information nerd at heart, so I'm really interested in a session around strategic planning on the use of high-cost drugs. I'm looking forward to hearing from those speakers about medication value analyses when it comes to formulary management. So overall, just fantastic sessions coming up, and I'm super excited to, to dig in and, and listen to those. I agree with you both. But, um, those sessions definitely sound very interesting, and I'm confident that we'll be able to get a lot of those sessions. So next, I'm very excited to share that we will be able to get a sneak preview into those sessions today. So the next part of our episode, we will be chatting with some of our speakers and organizers who are presenting on some of the very innovative and engaging topics at this year's meeting. Our first guest is Katie Derry, who is the moderator for the 2021 Therapeutics Debates. Katie, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your co-presenters, and this year's topics? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, my name is Katie Derry. I'm a pharmacy specialist for medication use policy at UC San Diego Health. I spend my time doing formulary management and medication policy, and then about 20 to 40% of my time in the ICU. And I'm also the residency program director for our PGY2 critical care program here at UCSD. I work with the Educational Steering Committee, which is a part of the section of clinical scientists and specialists for ASHP. And each year we try to come up with three topics that are especially controversial or where the literature doesn't quite fully answer the question and present those at ASHP so that the participants at ASHP can come up with their own decision based on a pro-con debate. This year we have three different topics related to uh, a varying uh, areas of clinical therapy. One of them, which is 
uh, going to be done by Dr. Danielle Blaze and Dr. Stephen Dunn, is about antithrombotic therapy in patients requiring anticoagulation for atrial fibrillation and antiplatelet therapy for coronary stents following PCI. And it's a complex topic. The question is, is triple antithrombotic therapy too much or is dual antithrombotic therapy too little? And what is the sweet spot? I've already listened to their presentation, and I think that everyone's going to be really excited to hear what they have to say. It's a really interesting topic from two experts in our field. The second one that we have is with Dr. Sophia Cardwell and Dr. Michael Naylor. This is an especially fun one because Dr. Cardwell was a former resident of Dr. Naylor's, and they have a really great rapport. They're going to be talking about secondary prophylaxis for C. diff. When the available literature is imperfect and the science is advancing faster than clinical practice, what's the clinical pharmacist to do? So they're going to be discussing the mixed data that surrounds this particular topic and give you some information and pearls of thought to think about as you go forward in your therapy when you get asked the question, should we do vancomycin prophylaxis for C. difficile in this particular patient population? And last but not least, we have Dr. Charity Hale and Dr. Norman Pillsbury, who are going to be presenting on the topic of gabapentin. Is it a good agent for pain therapy or multimodal pain sparing, or is it a wolf in sheep's clothing? This risk-benefit assessment will review the use of gabapentin in regimens designed to reduce both opiate exposure and opiate-related adverse effects in surgical patients. But it also assesses the risks of gabapentin, including dizziness, fatigue, difficulties with dentation, and other adverse effects. Does gabapentin improve function and recovery and quality of life? Or is it something that we just don't need to use because it has more adverse effects than it's worth? So those are our basic topics. And I think everyone is going to be really excited to hear how this goes. Thanks so much, Katie. The therapeutics debate sounds like it's going to be a very lively session. Our next mid-year sneak peek is from Bobak Shah. Bobak, can you tell us about you and your presenter's background and a little bit about what we can expect from your presentation? Absolutely. Uh, thanks for having me. My name is Bhavik Shah. I am an associate professor at the Jefferson College of Pharmacy in Philadelphia. And I am co-presenting with Firk Ann Nguyen. He's a pharmacy manager at Houston Methodist West Hospital in Texas. And our session is Making Sense of Financial Literacy. Ann and I have worked together uh, on a number of things uh, with ASHP. We've done podcasts together on personal finance. And we think this is an important topic because it's one of those things that we don't necessarily get taught in school. And there's a taboo around personal finance and we see people making mistakes over and learning the hard way. And so she and I made mistakes as well. And we discussed that in our session, what mistakes we made and what lessons we learned. And so our session has sort of three main areas. We talk about uh, common pitfalls that folks can encounter when they handle their finances and, and how to approach that and turn those into opportunities, things that they may not be aware of. We also focus on saving for retirement and the importance of saving for retirement, how to invest and, and take advantage of time to build your retirement accounts. And we talk about the different accounts. So, because it's a whole different jargon between a 401k and IRA, what a Roth means. And so we get into that. And I think the, the, one of the things I, we are really excited about is there is an algorithmic approach that we uh, have included as a general guideline of how 
listeners can, when they create their own personal financial plan, to, as a suggestion of what they could follow. Uh, and so what's the best use of their uh, dollar in terms of paying off debt or saving for retirement or saving for a house or any of their other goals. And another, uh, we also end and share with our listeners uh, many resources that we have found that can be of help. They're free resources. We also include, uh, if they want to engage with professional help, how to find uh, individuals who are fiduciaries uh, and who have a, a fee structure that might be fair. So we share a resource that they can find someone in their area who might be willing to, uh, to work with. Thanks, Bhavik. I know that I always wanted to learn more about financial well-being, and I'm excited to learn more about what you and Anne will have to say in the upcoming weeks. Our last mid-year sneak peek is with Karen McConnell, who, along with her co-faculty member, David Schmidt, will be talking about high-cost drugs in their on-demand session titled Strategic Planning to Combat High-Cost Drugs, Research, Publications, and Formulary Decisions. Karen, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and David and what attendees will gain from attending your session? Sure. Thanks for having us. Um, my name is Karen McConnell. I'm the System Vice President of the Pharmacy Enterprise and Chief Pharmacy Officer at Common Spirit Health. And my co-presenter is David Schmidt. He's the Midwest Division Clinical Pharmacy Director for CHI Health in our entire Midwest Division. And so we uh, put together a presentation because Dave and I have been working a long time on how to optimize our spend on high-cost drugs. And Common Spirit Health has definitely made this one of our priorities to make sure that the medications that we're using are bringing value to our patients. And so we really uh, divided out into five different strategic plans on ways that you can address these medications. First, what can you do with your system formulary? Second, strategic contracting and collaboration. So not only working with all the other clinicians within your health system, but how can you work with pharmaceutical companies to have really good contracts in place? And then how do you implement those decisions once they're made? Um, how do we make sure we are compliant with our contracts? How do we make sure that our clinicians and um, others are compliant with our formulary and everyone's on the same boat rowing in the same direction? We then go into monitoring and reviewing um, our spend as well as our compliance and looking at ways that we can help those that may be um, having difficulty um, controlling their spend. So we share best practices across our health system. And if someone is doing something particularly well, we let others know so that we can take advantage of, of those gains. And then finally, we take a look at doing research and value analysis. Uh, there's a lot of uh, benefit in uh, doing formal research, looking at high-cost drugs, and then also performing some high-level and low-level value analysis so that we can figure out exactly um, where those me that medication spend is and make sure that it's optimal. So we have about five key takeaways from our presentation. We want to make sure you're strategically planning your medication formulary. We want to utilize contracting and collaboration to make sure you have that buy-in. Be smart about your decision implementation, involve stakeholders, identify key drivers, consistently monitor and review for successes and opportunities, and finally conduct research so that you can objectively evaluate and make data-driven decisions. 
Well, Karen, it sounds like you and David are going to have a lot of strategies and tools for attendees to use to help in formulary decision-making. This session is an on-demand session, which means that attendees can watch it whenever it fits into this schedule. We look forward to it. Well, listeners, we've reached the end of our episode. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us today to discuss how we can make the most of virtual mid-year and sharing their mid-year experiences. Be sure to register for the virtual ASHP mid-year clinical meeting to access the great content you've heard about today and subscribe to the ASHP official podcast for more topics on innovation, leaderships, therapeutics, and more. Thanks again. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.